Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sisterhood of the Rings, the Tolkien podcast where we discuss all the lore almost no one cares about. I am your host, Maddie Bolzanius. And I'm your host, Molly Tenley-Straight. This week we will be discussing J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Book One, Chapter Six, The Old Forest. You nailed that. That was a mouthful. Uh, We're saying what book they're in now because within each like book that we know there's like separate there's all sorts of divisions basically the gist of it is that we're trying to label what they are now so that we all are on the same page literally right literally yeah i loved it perfect all right so we are gonna start with the book overview but maddie how's your week been it's been pretty good um i had foot surgery a couple weeks ago and i came back to work this week and it has not been altogether terrible my foot is still attached to my leg i'm feeling you know pretty what? good about that i have been super impressed we literally decided to start this podcast the week before you had foot surgery yeah. and we recorded all of these episodes so far while maddie was literally in a cast like with her foot propped up on pillows it was really pathetic and sometimes high on vicodin yeah it was great did anybody notice that i I bet bet you didn't because i'm that professional (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this week was pretty great for me i got a new dog yes what's her name molly her name is sybil trepani and then my other dog is neville longbody so i got a little bit of harry potter going on we have a cat named hermione but she's a total bitch so we don't talk about her very much she's not like the real hermione at all but she is really soft and fluffy she is she just hates people yeah and the world in general you know what she does love though what food she does love food she's a big lady very much like me in that way of the food loving she's kind of like a hobbit actually she you should have named her like oh i wonder lobelia sackville baggins oh my god that is so who she is we might might need to i wonder if she loves mushrooms like what kind of mushrooms well you know (laughs) (laughs) not those kind of mushrooms like a certain type of mushrooms and I mean portobellos. Yeah. Well, you know, hobbits love mushrooms. Yeah. Of like course. more than anybody. So I was wondering if, if, if uh, she Lobelia likes them as well. That's her name. Now. Is that her? You're just renamed I just her. renamed her right now. Okay. The kids are not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to be pissed. Are we ready to do the book overview? Yeah, I think we can go for it. Okay. So I am doing the book overview for chapter six this week, which is called The Old Forest. So we pick up where they are spending the night in Frodo's new house in Crick's Hollow, and they decide to leave around 6 a.m. They head off on ponies until they arrive at a tall hedge, and they find a mystery tunnel underneath the hedge that Mary shows them, and they say goodbye to Fatty, and they head off into the old forest. Can we just talk for a minute about, like, how much of the real MVP that Fatty is for, like, staying behind and pretending to be Frodo, who's literally being hunted by some spooky guys on, like... Yeah, he doesn't know anything about that. He just knows that they're out to kill Frodo. Right. And then he's like, he's like, sure, I'll pretend to be you. And he's so chill about it, too. He is. He's like, no big deal, dude. I'll be bait. Fatty Bulger, the real hero of the story. Yeah. Forget about Sam. Right. Mary tells the group about how queer the forest is and how the trees are more than alive. He says that they don't like 
people very much, especially after the trees tried to attack Buckland and then the hobbits attacked them back and like burnt a bunch of them. So now they're like warring enemies and they are not friends. Wow. Yeah, pretty much like Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, but is there like a, a hobbit and a tree that are in love with each other? Because that like, would be fucking wild. I feel like we could ship that. Yeah, I ship it 100%. That's my OTP now. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Okay. So they travel for a while and they find the bonfire glade where that big fight happens. Okay. And they head off into the woods and they feel like the trees are caving into them. It's really hot. It's really terrible. And they get super lost because the trees are basically forcing them down into the center of the forest. Douchebags. Eventually they get to this big opening in the very, very deep forest and they find the Withy Windle River. Ugh. The Windy Wait, say it again. Withy Windle. The Withy Windle River. I just love that so much. Isn't that fun to say? It it's is like lovely. kind of a challenge, but when you get it, it's like mm, mm, Withy mm, Windle mm, River. Mm. You Withy should Windle. just try to say it if you're alone in your car. Withy Windle. Or just in a room full of people. Just With- try to say it. Withy Windle. Withy Windle. Like if you're in an awkward situation, you don't know what to say and like everybody's silent, you can just be like Withy Windle. I and then like everybody it, will be like, oh, that's a nice word. I feel like it will gain you friends. It will. This is our tip of the week. Oh, my God. We need to start a new blog. <laughs> <laughs> Tips of the week to make you socially awkward. <laughs> More socially awkward. <laughs> okay. They feel themselves get extremely sleepy and hot. And Pippin and Mary lean against the base of a willow tree and they fall asleep. Ugh, never a good idea. I don't know. It sounds very lovely. Yeah, but weird shit always happens around willow trees. Do they? I don't In know. In what other story does something <laughs> weird happen around a willow tree? <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed, seemed like the right thing to say at the I'm time. I'm thinking of the giving tree. And how, yeah, that's so sad, though. I guess that's an apple tree. But it's, like, very lovely. And he, it's not sad. You it's know. about giving your soul and, and heart and love. I think it's, like, literally the saddest book I've ever read in my life. Well, that's because you're not a parent. I feel like if you were a parent, you'd be like, oh, I Do you I, know what I they say, though, this. about that book? They say that, like, people who are artists, they are, feel very, very, like, upset by that book because it's a representation of you giving and giving and giving your soul your work and your craft to people who just take and take and take from you and don't really give you anything in return and they say that it like really profoundly affects young artists minds as like very profoundly sad because it's just about I don't even know where I'm going with this but there's like a whole bunch of research on this book and like how it affects children. That's really funny because I never got that from the book and as a mom when I read that book all I think about is how like as long as my kids are happy and feel like they're succeeding in life then I feel like I want to just give everything I have to them. Wow maybe you're less selfish than I am. Yeah but I mean that's obvious. Where was I? Pippin and Mary fall asleep leaning against a large willow tree and Frodo perches himself on a root or a branch that goes over the water and he's like looking into the water feeling really sleepy and then the tree pushes him off into the water holds him down underwater and tries to drown him. What did I fucking say? Say <laughs> Sam pulls him out of the water and saves him. But then they're trying to get Mary and Pippin out and they can't do it. So all of a sudden, Frodo's like, help, help, I need help. And Ian walks, Tom Bombadil, our favorite character. Hell yes, Tommy. Oh my gosh, he's so great. And Maddie's going to get into Tom Bombadil. So I'm not going to go too far into this. Yeah. But he is definitely our like one of our top favorite characters. And they totally leave him out in the movies, which is so it's sad. It's such a bummer. Okay. 
So Tom sings the Willow Tree a song and it releases Marion Pippin. And then he's like, come back to my house and let's have some food. And Goldberry is going to be great to you. And this is going to be lovely. And they follow him to his house. And it's pretty much like a horror movie when they just like follow some weird dude into his creepy old house in the middle of the forest and everyone gets slaughtered except except it's like the best case scenario of that yeah because no one gets nothing slaughtered. happens yeah like, it's great i mean things happen but only good things it's only good things and he turns out to be a lovely lovely stranger and they follow him to his house and they're greeted by a lovely mystery singer is it mariah carey no it's whitney houston her ghost yes <gasps> Amazing. I want to go to that house. Yeah. So you will hear all about Whitney Houston's ghost in the next episode. I can't fucking wait. It's going to be great. I am going to do the movie overview for this section. And uh, oh, 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 wait. There is no movie overview. And I'm so mad about it. Because, because they left fucking Tom Bombadil out. He is such a fantastic character. I know. And it's such a lovely section. Like, it's not the most crucial to the story. I mean, I'm sure that there are some people who would be like, I think it's incredibly crucial. But I like, think that. I mean, I think it's crucial when you're reading the book, but like in the movie, I don't think that you necessarily... I I hesitate to say this, but I don't think that you're necessarily like really losing anything. Do you I know what I mean? The only thing that makes me a little annoyed is that they did keep part of this scene, but they put it in the two towers. Yeah. So the scene where they're in Fangorn Forest, I believe, and Tree Baird is kind of looking after Merry and Pippin, and then they are like fighting over the water from the spring, and then they start to get eaten by like the roots of this tree. And then Treebeard comes to save them and he's like telling the trees to go back to sleep, to dig deep, you know, drink water, all this stuff. Like, don't wake up yet. That is actually a Tom Bombadil line. And it's from this chapter where they get stuck in the So tree. they're basically like giving Tom Bombadil's lines to Treebeard, which I just think is a rude they're assholes it's basically like in harry potter when they give all of ron's amazing lines to harry oh i know it's so annoying so annoying this oh is not God. a harry we, potter podcast it's not but we could talk about that for a really long time i just want to say this right now the character assassination that they did on ron weasley is completely unjust incredibly unfair and i do plan on writing a lot of hate mail to warner brothers studios yeah rupert grint you deserved better we love you rupert we do can I go first this week? Yeah, of course. Okay, I'm really, really excited. Ooh. <laughs> All right. I feel really, really lucky that I even get to do this one. So I'm going to read my little section, okay? This is at the part where Frodo and Merry and Pippin are in, and I guess Sam technically too. They're all in mortal peril. They don't know what to do. And uh, here's the quote. This is from page 118. Suddenly he stopped. There was an answer, or so he thought, but it seemed to come from behind him away down the path, further back in the forest. He turned round and listened, and soon there could be no doubt. Someone was singing a song. A deep, glad voice was singing carelessly and happily, but it was singing nonsense. Hey, doll, merry doll, ring-a-dong, dillo. Ring-a-dong, hop-along, fall la the willow. Tom-bomb, jolly-tom, tom-bombadillo. <laughs> Which... Let me just say, if I heard that coming out of the forest, I'd be like, I gotta get the fuck I know, out of and here. I was like, which one's scarier? Is the willow tree crushing his friends or this scary ass random singing? I mean, <laughs> I, I guess it does say a deep, glad voice. So maybe it sounds not so threatening. As What type as of voice are you like, picturing say, singing this? <laughs> no, I mean, he's like, what singer or character? <laughs> 
I said what I said and I meant it. <laughs> she stands by it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe like Tony Bennett or somebody. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I'm sure you already know what I'm doing, right? Right. I'm doing Tom Bombadil this week. Maddie had to ask for permission to do Tom Bombadil because really we discuss him in the next chapter, but she was so excited to introduce him that she was like, please, please, I let's just, do it. I had to do it. Super I, excited. I really, I really couldn't wait. Let's hear it, Maddie. The hobbits call him Tom Bombadil, but he's got many names. To the elves, he is Irwine Benadar, which means oldest and fatherless. The dwarves know him as Forn, and the northern men call him Orald, meaning very old. He himself claims the term eldest, and he may just be right. Ooh, good intro. intro. Okay. Tom Bombadil, uh, I'll just give a little tiny physical description of him. He's a short, red-faced little man. He wears a pointed hat with a blue feather and large yellow boots. He's jovial in nature, but doesn't seem concerned at all with the outside world. Like Paddington Bear? I guess so. (laughs) A little bit like they do. He does dress a little bit like Paddington Bear. <laughs> like it's this very, very similar look. I love that. I did not connect that at all. So thank you for pointing that out to me. You're welcome. Oh, <laughs> little Moana. We've really been on a Moana kick this week. We really we? Have. My kids have watched that movie like 20 times. Yeah, Parker's obsessed with that one right now. Yep. Tom Bobadil is probably one of the most mysterious figures in the entire Tolkien legendarium. His origins are basically unknown. Nobody knows what he is either. Literally nobody knows. So is that just the end of your section then? That's it. I'm done. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) My question was, who the fuck is this guy? Right? He seems to have incredible power over his surroundings. The old forest just bends to his will. But he's also just this kind of like cute little cheery guy who hops along and sings songs. Right? This is what Tom claims. Okay? Okay. He claims to have already existed before the Dark Lord, meaning Melkor, came to Arda. Oh, shit. Yeah. So this means that if it's true, he's been alive since before the coming of the Valar. Unless he's referring to Melkor's second entry into the world. I have not fully researched all of Melkor's stuff, but apparently he entered Arda two times. So either Tom was there before all that. Or he was there on Melkor's second entry. We'll get into that at some point, I'm sure, because one of us is going to do Melkor at some point, obviously. Robert Foster, who wrote The Guide to Middle-Earth, he even suggests that Tom could technically be a Vala himself. What? Yeah, it's not, like, official. I think that's, like, his own sort of opinion of of his power. Um, And I'll talk about that in a little bit, because there are some things that kind of suggest that he could be something like Super a Vala. Interesting. I'll get into it. In any case, Tom is insinuated to have been the first living creature to inhabit Arda. So he's old as fuck. Like older than the trees? Yeah. Wow. Well, it literally says at one point, I don't know if it's in this chapter or if it's in the next chapter, but he says he remembers when the first rains fell and the first acorns were planted or wow. whatever. Like he's been around forever. The first and second ages are a little murky with Tom, but we know this. Tom Bombadil explored the region known as Middle Earth, wandering along, probably writing some lo-fi indie album. You can probably find it on the depths of SoundCloud. He's like being a nomad. He's He's, vegan. He's definitely not like Spotify level because he like wants to keep his shit underground. Right. And he's also just like, I just don't want to like be tied down to one place yet. You know what I mean? Like the world just has so much left to offer. (laughs) 
So he witnessed the emergence of the forest and the rain, which in itself sounds like some like hosier shit right there, doesn't it? It so I witnessed the emergence of the forest and the first rains. Like <laughs> I just feel it's so mystical. He must have witnessed most of the major events that took place, but his role in them is unknown. He's just like, I he's don't just, care. He's just kind of there. We don't really know the extent to which he interacted with the outside world, but he evidently did something enough to end up as a folkloric figure in elven tales, in dwarf culture, and for men as well, because they all have their own names for him, right? So he has to be some kind of significant figure to them. We just don't really know why. So he's not like totally hiding out this forest, Completely. No, no like, people, people do know, know who he's he is. There. Okay. People know who he is, but I, I don't know. He's just kind of a weird little character, and that seems to be the consensus with everybody who knows who he is. And I'll talk about that in a second too. So when he finished fucking around all of Middle Earth, he focused his explorations to Eriador, which is that region that holds the Shire. Right, that makes him the first to settle in the West, even before the Elves. He traversed down the Withy Windle to the Brandywine, and he encountered a number of strange creatures that live in the valley, including the malevolent tree spirit Old Man Willow, the Badger Folk, and the river spirit Goldberry. All these dudes tried to capture him at one point. They were all trying to capture him to, like, achieve their own ends, and they wanted to, like, use them in their evil plots to, I don't know, just be assholes or something. But they quail at the power of his voice, which defeated their enchantments and commands them to return to their natural existence. So one of these examples, I'm just going to just do a tiny bit about how he and Goldberry met, but I'm not going to go into like huge detail here at all. Basically, Tom was captured by Goldberry. She pulled his beard under the water lilies out of mischief is what they say, which is a really, really interesting way to label sexual harassment. (laughs) But he ordered her to let him go, and then he asked the river woman the next day if he could marry her daughter. I guess that's what he's into. So it's like if somebody hits on you in a really weird way at the bar, and the next day you're like, you know, we should get married. Ew. Yeah, I don't love it. Nope. So let's talk about the third age with Tom Bombadil a little bit, because this is where we really like know what his deal is, kind of. <laughs> Again... Very mysterious, all right? I can say that over and over again. It's as true now as it ever was. So how much of this is fan theories and how much of is, like, directly from what Tolkien has said? I did not. The only piece of, like, I guess you could call it fan theory is Foster's right insinuation that he could be a Vala. Everything else I, I ripped from one wiki to rule them all and then Tolkien Gateway. Okay. Which I believe both of those sources are pretty true to source material. Right. So... Tom settles into his domain outside the old forest sometime before the Third Age began, and he has extraordinary control over his tiny little realm. He's seen the rise and fall of Angmar and the arrival of the hobbits to the Shire, which I talked about last week. When the hobbits come, this leads him to occasionally interact with them, in particular the Bucklanders, and they're the ones who gave him the moniker Tom Bobadil. So they named him? The Bucklanders did. And he lives by that? Yeah. That's so cute. Yeah. He was like, "Mm, I like that name. Yeah. It's speculated that his cheerful and whimsical attitude comes from his contact with the hobbits, which I think is the cutest thing ever. Like he's friends with them. And because of that, he's like 
just cool and funky and sweet and nice. It actually surprises me, though, because how the hobbits and the trees don't really get along. And he seems to have a really close relationship with the trees. I, I, he's not really on anyone's side. He's, he's not. just like his own he's, thing. He's really, really not. I am going to jump ahead a little bit in order to talk more about Tom because these things are really interesting and technically they belong a little bit to the next chapter. So spoiler alert, but I want to talk about it. So I'm going to fucking talk about it. Okay. I think we've already established, established that, we're not that this a is not a read through. And so we will allude to, yeah, and... allude to things that are going to happen later in the book, later in the movies. And if that's a problem, then this probably isn't the podcast for you. Then you can get the book. No, Maddie, <laughs> don't say that. We love our <laughs> listeners. We do. We love you guys. Sorry. I'm just like ornery. So later we see Tom interacting with Frodo and interacting with the ring. Tom is seemingly unaffected by the power of the one ring. He can put it on and not vanish. So we did talk about this. Right. Okay. So this kind of goes back to him maybe being a Vala or some kind of other weird creature that can exist in both the physical realm and then the realm that like the... Black Riders or the Ringwraiths kind of operate in as well. Actually, they're the ones who only exist in physical forms in that realm. And then Gandalf, Gandalf and, and Sauron. Sauron and like the other Maiar and probably the other Vala would not disappear when they put on the ring. So Tom doesn't disappear when he puts on the ring, right? Right. So he has to be something. He's got to be something. He's not, he's obviously, I mean, he's clearly immortal, but he's also magical in some kind of way here. He can also see Frodo even when Frodo is wearing it. So Frodo puts on the ring, he disappears, and Tom is like, I can see you, bro. And I don't think even Gandalf has that power. I don't think so either. Frodo also doesn't hesitate to give the ring to Tom, which is sort of Tom having his own kind of power over like the magic of the ring itself. Because one of the things about the ring is that the ring bearer does not want to give the ring to anybody else but when tom is like hey can i see that ring bro frodo's like yeah here you go sure and he himself is even surprised by that right Right. just a couple little weird things about him we don't fully understand why that's the case but we know it's really weird more than anything tom kind of doesn't give a shit about the drama fest that exists outside his own little (laughs) world right (laughs) everything's happening i mean he's existed since maybe before any other thing in arda And he just kind of doesn't care about anything that's happened. He stays off social media like Jennifer Aniston. Oh, my God. He is. (laughs) (laughs) Though she did just get an Instagram. Oh, good for her. Uh But it's been really lovely. Tom is not getting an Instagram. No, he is so not. He is so not. He's staying off all social media platforms. He doesn't want to have anything to do with the outside world. So speaking of Tom not really having any interest in the outside world, I'm going to jump ahead once again to the Council of Elrond. This is a quote from Elrond. But I had forgotten Bombadil, if indeed this is still the same that walked the woods and hills long ago, and even then was older than old. And then later he says, he is a strange creature. So an elf who's been around since, what, Elrond's been around since at least the second age, right? Right. Maybe even the first age. He thinks that he's a weirdo. Everybody kind of thinks that Tom Bombadil's a freak. He's one of those people who's old, but old does not necessarily mean like 
the wisest. He's like that distant relative that shows up at family events and like everyone's like, why is he here? But nobody actually asked him to leave. Right. He's like the weird drunkle who everybody (laughs) kind of likes and wants to hear the stories, but he always ends up like talking about- But no one's going to call them if they have a flat tire. No, he's like the type of guy who like talks about an acid trip that he has, but confuses it with real life. That's Tom (laughs) Bombadil. Any effort- he does is basically focused in or around the old forest and he's basically concerned with his little adventures only he he doesn't care so at one point during the council of elrond they suggest that tom take the ring but gandalf dismisses the idea very very quickly and says that tom would probably just forget the ring and like throw it away or something which i just think is the craziest thing if they Tom Bombadil is so unconcerned with everything that they could literally give him the ring of power and he would just be like, why do I have this? And just like fucking throw it away. And they say that the one of the reasons why they don't want to give it to him is not only because of that, but because Sauron would very, very clearly like send all of his forces to the old forest and Tom would basically just be like, just take it. I don't want you here. Right. He's mostly concerned with his shit and doesn't care. Well, yeah. And he seems like a super chill dude. And he is. He's like generally benevolent. But he also never openly took a stance against the Dark Lords. Which being apolitical is in and of itself a political position and one that sides with the oppressors. Tom, I agree. Fuck you, Tom. Just kidding. We love you, Tom. I mean, but still. But still, you should have taken a side. Yeah, I agree. Sauron's bad. So... He hangs out mostly with Farmer Maggot when he hangs out with people. What? Yeah. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love that. I know. It it makes... Why do we never talk about that? I don't know. We talked a little bit about Farmer Maggot last episode. Was that, yes. was that last episode? Yes. Okay. So it's one of those times I where I'm totally still amazed. Them sitting around, having a mug of beer. Th- that's literally what they do. I that's love That's literally that. what they do. <laughs> Tom Bombadil comes over to Farmer Maggot's house. They drink ale. And then what it said on the one wiki to rule them all is that he dances with his family. I see it. I so see I'm it. I'm like, that sounds like a good time. I want to be invited. I do too. What the fuck? Why aren't we invited? Yeah, we're cool enough. Yeah, I think so. We're terrible dancers though. Oh God. <laughs> we should post a video sometime. We will never do that. So let's jump way ahead to the fourth age for a second, all right? How do you feel about that? I feel great. Okay, let's do it. I'm going to sort of rip a quote from one wiki to rule them all here. Four years after the One Ring was destroyed, Gandalf spent some time with Tom. And when Frodo asks how he's been, Gandalf says that Tommy B is as well as ever, quite untroubled, and not much interested in anything that we've done and seen, except maybe the encounters with the Ents. <laughs> I love the idea that Gandalf is like going off on this tangent, and you could just picture Tom Bombadil sitting with his mug of beer, and he's like looking to the side, and he's just drinking slowly, like, when is this gonna stop? He does not give even one single shit about all of this. Like, Gandalf's like, and then there were these amazing epic battles, and we restored the king of Gondor to his throne. And Tom's like, I do not care about this all, bro, but like, let's talk about the trees (laughs) for a second. I'm basically done here with Tom Bombadil, but I did want to share. Uh, Forn in Old Norse means belonging to ancient days. 
And I think that that couldn't fit Tom Bombadil any better. When we think of truly ancient days, we think of perhaps a little bit of a chaotic nature, maybe some uh, whimsy when we're talking about a fantasy world. And that's Tom at his core. I've loved everything that I learned about him. I mean, I loved him when when we read the chapter and I, I truly and sincerely hope that anybody who hasn't read these books before just read these chapters. Just read the Tom Bombadil <laughs> chapters because they're just absolutely fantastic. And oh my God, wait, I have one more tidbit. Okay. Okay. About Forn. Okay. <laughs> so there was some kind of Tolkien book and I'll try and find the uh, title of it. I think it's listed under One Wiki to Rule Them All. And I think it's also listed in Tolkien Gateway. But one of these publications had a misprint. And every time they said Forn, they accidentally substituted the F with a P. Oh, my God. Tom Bombadil, <laughs> a.k.a. porn. <laughs> now, I have to admit, that is something I never want to see. No. Oh, my God. No. no. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> That's a whole nother genre. Maddie, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was so lovely. Of course. Thank you for letting me do Tom. He's my favorite. He is great. Okay. Are you ready to hear my section? Oh, I'm so ready for this. All right, let's do it. Okay, Maddie, this week I am introducing us to the old man Willow. Oh, so the tree. Yeah, we, we already talked about where he enters the story, but I'm going to give a little recap because he is a super important character and there's so much information about him. So I'm There is? To, there is. I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's Tolkien. Why do I keep asking that? Suddenly Frodo himself felt sleep overwhelming him. His head swam. There now seemed hardly a sound in the air. The flies had stopped buzzing, only a gentle noise on the edge of hearing, a soft fluttering as of a song half-whispered, seemed to be stir in the boughs above. He lifted his heavy eyes and saw leaning over him a huge willow tree, old and hoary. Enormous it looked, its sprawling branches going up like reaching arms with many long-fingered hands, its knotted and twisted trunk gaping in wide fissures that creaked faintly as the boughs moved. The leaves fluttering against the bright sky dazzled him, and he toppled over, laying where he fell upon the grass. Ooh. Creepy. Creepy. Old man Willow is an evil man. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we first meet Old Man Willow, and the group is venturing into the old forest, and they are instantly lost. They're driven to the heart of the forest. They rest by Old Man Willow. He enchants them into sleep, and Sam barely stays awake, but he does, and he ends up saving Frodo once he's almost drowned. Right. So then Frodo and Sam try to save Merry and Pippin because they've gotten sucked into the trunk of the tree and they start a fire mary yells to them from inside the tree stop 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 the attack because old man willow tells mary if you don't i'm gonna squeeze you to death oh my god right frodo is like what do we do and so he calls for help and that's when the mysterious tom bombadil arrives tom says i'll freeze his marrow cold if he don't behave himself they're all rescued yay so basically who is old man willow why is he mean? Why did he just try to drown them? Well, try to drown Frodo. And Why suffocate them. Suffocate them and squeeze them. What? Why? Why is he such a douchebag? So he lives in the old forest and the old forest is located to the east of Buckland. 
He lives on the banks of the Withywindle River down in the heart of the forest. Mm -hmm. He wants to prevent further roads into his realm. So he doesn't like people. He wants them to go the fuck away. He wants to be left by himself. So he sings a magical enchantment to lead travelers to their doom. So basically what I'm picturing here is he starts singing Journey and all of the travelers come towards him and he starts singing, just a small town girl living in a lonely world. Took the midnight train going anywhere. And all the travelers come to him and they can't not sing. So they just get lured to their doom. That's what he does? Yes. Using Journey to yes. kill people? That's really, I mean. Who the fuck does that? Old Man Willow. And every wedding DJ of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he draws them near and consumes them with his limb-lithe roots and branches, meaning he can easily bend them to attack. Ooh. I know. Ugh. Creepy. Scary little tree. Or as Maddie would say, spooky very spooky so basically there's two main ideas of what old man willow is okay one is that he is a descendant of the ents which Treebeard says in the two towers the other one is that he is a whoorn a what now a whoorn which basically is the same thing as what Treebeard was saying but i'm gonna go into that of what a whoorn is okay so long ago in the first age Covering this whole land was one giant forest. So it's a primordial forest. From the beginning of time, this huge forest was there. And comprised of this massive forest was the old forest, Fangorn Forest, and then a bunch of other trees that got destroyed. Huorns are a living race of ancient, slow-moving trees whom the Ents cared for and tended to. Oh. And that was from fandom, you know, the Lord of the Rings wiki. But yeah. the thing is, is there's a lot of misinformation when you jump between the websites and the Robert Foster book. There's just a lot of different information. So I'm going to yeah. kind of go over what they say and then you can make your own judgment of what you believe. So they say that's what they are. They have the ability to cloak themselves in shadows and cannot be detected at night. So they really are like living creatures, kind of like the Ents. They're just not as powerful as the Ents. Okay. So the Ents are like the guardians, protectors. The Huorns are like the next level down. And then all of the other living inanimate forms of life in Arda are called Alvar. Oh. So the job of the Huorns and the Ents are to protect all of them. Oh. Yeah. And so they're all created by the Vala Yavana. 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 Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She created all the trees and then she created the ants to protect over all of the trees and the living forms. Oh. It said somewhere that it was because she got upset that the dwarves came and the dwarves were like killing everything and that made her mad and that's when she created the ants. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but I thought well, that was interesting. Well, I guess we'll probably have to do Yavana sometime. Yeah. In Quenya, the Olvar means growing things with roots in the ground, oh. which I think is very beautiful. I love that. Everything in Quenya is so beautiful. I know. So the Huorns are not evil. They're just wild. So like chaotic neutral. Okay. Me and Maddie have played D&D, &D, by the way. We're very cool. We're, we're so cool. <laughs> yeah. So the Huorns stand watchful and can attack enemies when aroused in wrath. And they 
are able to move and they can move really quickly. And that's where I'm saying that there's some misinformation because I literally looked up in the two towers, the section where they're talking about who orns. Okay. And they specifically say that they can move really fast. And they talk about after they attack Isengard, they help the Ents attack Isengard. And then they talk about how they just like basically run off and they're like, oh, we're good now. And they head to the south. Do you know what? Do you remember at the end of the Battle of Helm's Deep when all the remaining orcs run into the forest? That's and definitely the who That's horns. the who uh-huh. That's definitely the who Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes so much more sense to me because at first, every time I've watched the movie and that part, I'm like, I thought some trees were just trees and then there were like specifically Ents, but it looks like these trees like kind of come to life and are so able to like kill the orcs. Right. So there's three levels. There's the trees, then there's the who and then there's the Ents. Oh my God, that makes so much more sense. Right. And so basically the Huorns, what they've, many of the sources have said is that they were originally Ents and that they kind of are tending more to be trees. They you are think more, they grew more wild, maybe they grew more wild, more chaotic. And then they just kind of planted themselves, but they are capable of still moving and they can still communicate with the Ents. Okay. So at one point, Treebeard says, oh, these were great friends of mine, this whole forest. And you're like, God, were these all Ents or were they just trees? What my interpretation is, is that most of them were horns and he was communicating with them. They cannot communicate with people, though. Okay. Though I'm thinking there's talking about Old Man Willow and a lot of people have speculated that he was a Huorn. So he originally was an Ent who planted himself firm. Okay. And he became a Huorn, which makes sense because he can't talk to them when they're just out and about. But once Mary and Pippin are inside of his like clutches they can hear what he's saying saying. right wow that's why i'm saying there's two sources one says that he is still an ent one of them says that he was an ent and one of them says that he is a horn but i think that he's a horn that's my my interpretation i mean from everything you're telling me i kind of think that too at this point he's thousands upon thousands of years old along with all the other horns and the ents because they're part of that primordial forest oh wow so if he is a Huorn, my question, which is totally not answered, is, is he able to move? Besides, like... I think he just chooses to stay stationary. Yeah. I think he's like, I control this realm. I don't care about the other things going on. I'm going to do my shit here. And I think that if he had truly wanted to over the thousands of years, he could have moved. But because he chose to just stay just stationary. Kind of stay- well, because he, he, can obvi- he obviously has some sort of physical control over his limbs because he's able to trap Mary and Pippin and then he's able to attempt to drown Frodo, right? Right. So I think that if you start out as Ents, the more you try to be like a tree, the more you are like a tree. Okay. And so the trees that are who are are stationary, but they can still attack with their limbs. And I think that's what's happening here. Okay. The more you try to be like a tree, the more you become a tree. I'm going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Old Man Willow. This is back to him. Not about who Warrens anymore. This is back to Old Man Willow. Okay. He fucking hates everyone. He hates men. He hates elves. He hates dwarves. He doesn't want anybody to arrive into his realm. And his heart is filled with blackness. Wow. He sounds like your conservative uncle who you only see at Christmas. Yeah, he's really, really rude. Okay, this is a quote from chapter seven when Tom Bobadil takes them back to his house and he's talking about Old Man Willow, who he actually calls Old Gray Willow Man. Oh. 
old gray willow man. The countless years have filled them with pride and rooted wisdom and with malice, but none were more dangerous than the great willow. His heart was rotten, but his strength was green and he was cunning. So they talk about the other Huorns who are not really evil. They just hang out. They don't really have preference over what's going on. They do hate orcs, but other than that, they're just living life. But He's not a nice person. He's a total asshole. They call him, his heart was rotten, but his strength was green and he was cunning. Like, he's not a good person. No, he sounds kind of like a douche. Yeah, he is. And only Tom Bombadil has power over him. He's said to be ancient, long brooding, black hearted and rotten. Like the darkest timeline version of Keanu Reeves. Oh, or like the Goblin King in the Labyrinth. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, David Bowie. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Rest in power. So in conclusion, basically, I just want to summarize what I've gone over. The old forest and Fangorn Forest used to be all part of one massive forest where Ents and Huorns and trees lived all happily together. Then elves and dwarves and men came in and destroyed everything and pissed everybody off. Right. And then they basically are chaotic neutral, most of them, except for this douchebag, Old Man Willow, who is a total total a-hole and thank god for tom bombadil keeping them all in line yeah that I, was amazing thank you i thought it was really interesting because i didn't even know about the Huorns. i didn't either from watching the movies you don't learn that and no. this is our first time reading the books and they do talk about them in more detail in the two towers they don't talk about them at all in the movies so i wanted to teach us about I that absolutely love that that was great. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. Okay, are we ready to do our quotes? I think we can do it. All right. My favorite quotation this week is on page 120, and Tom Bombadil is uh, inviting them back to his house. Tom Bombadil bursts out laughing. Well, my little fellows, said he, stooping so that he peered into their faces, you shall come home with me. The table is all laden with yellow cream, honeycomb, and white bread and butter. Goldberry is waiting. Time enough for questions around the supper table. You follow after me as quick as you're able. With that, he picked up his lilies, and then with a beckoning wave of his hand, went hopping and dancing along the path eastward, still singing loudly and nonsensically. He is so lovely. I know. I, I like that quote. It's it's very short, but I like that quote because you were talking a little bit about <laughs> earlier when you were like, it's kind of like a horror story scenario <laughs> where like they follow him back to the- but if some guy said that to me he was like come back to my house we've got fresh cream and honeycomb and white bread and butter and we'll talk to my hot wife i, I would be like okay like yeah i'm totally all yeah, about this yeah i'll go <laughs> absolutely now i also have to wonder now that we know all this about tom do you think that he has some like magical power over them to like make them feel comforted Maybe. Or or maybe it's just the very fact that he's this weird, like, kind of benevolent, ancient creature that they just automatically feel... I don't think he intentionally put, like, a spell over them. I think they just feel comforted by his presence. I feel comforted by his presence. And he's a fucking literary character. We can't (laughs) even see him. (laughs) All right. I love that quote, Maddie. Thanks. My quotation comes from earlier in the chapter when they're adventuring through the forest and they're feeling really terrible. It's really hot and there's bugs and they're feeling overwhelmed. And so Frodo tries to lighten the mood. Frodo tried to sing a song to encourage them, but his voice sank to a murmur. Oh, wanderers in the shadowed land, despair not, 
for though dark they stand, all woods there be must end at last and see the open sun go past. The setting sun, the rising sun, the day's end or the day begun, for east or west or all woods must fail. Fail, even as he said the word, his voice faded into silence. The air seemed heavy and the making of words wearisome. Just behind them, a large branch fell from an old overhanging tree with a crash into the path, and the trees seemed to close in before them. They do not like all that ending and failing, said Mary. I should not sing any more at the present. Wait till we get to the edge, and then we'll turn and give them a rousing chorus. <laughs> it was that it was Mary who said Mary. that. Mary's like, Frodo, shut the fuck up right now. <laughs> Frodo's like, I'm singing a song, fuck you, trees. Like, you're and all the trees are like, fail. we're literally gonna murder you. We're literally gonna murder you. It's like, why are you provoking these trees, Frodo? Why are you doing it? And Mary, oh but I love Mary God. being like, here's my little sassy moment. Mary's like, at the end, we're gonna turn around and we're just gonna give them two middle fingers straight I- up. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, that's amazing. Yes. I love that quotation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Sisterhood of the Rings. Join us next week for another always unexpected journey into all things Tolkien. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please visit our Facebook page, The Sisterhood of the Rings Podcast, and our website, thesisterhoodoftherings.com. If you like what we do, we'd love it if you subscribed, and please review us. If you hate what we do, leave us alone and turn your rage into a productive hobby. Like, bedazzling? Love it. Doesn't that sound fun? Let's do it. Okay. See See you next time, time, you gorgeous gorgeous nerds. nerds.